Lord, thank you for that singing, and um, I am longing for that day when we're going to be in heaven, we see Jesus face to face, and we sing, holy, holy, holy. I think it was two or three years ago, Pastor Cox took our teenagers to uh, the Philadelphia area and um, on a missions trip, and what they did was they worked with a church in Philadelphia, and how many of you remember that when our kids all went and did um, vacation Bible school all over the um, uh, Trenton and, you know, like the worst neighborhoods. It didn't look like Monclova, I'll tell you that. They were areas that some of our kids weren't used to going into. And we would go to parks. I think they split up into several different teams. They would go to different parks, different um, uh, apartment complexes. And each night they would set up and do a vacation Bible school right there on site. It was a tremendous week for our kids. Um, I still hear even my own kids that went, they talk about it and wanting to go back and um, just appreciated the opportunity. I love the fact that our teenagers were able to serve and teach. It was there on that trip. I was sitting in one of the parks. I think we we're in, in the city of Trenton, New Jersey. <clears throat> and I was sitting at that park and I was listening to one of our seniors teach. And um, I said, Lord, that, that kid can teach. What is he going to do? And um, I asked, I asked him, I said, what are you, what are you planning on doing? He says, I don't know. I'm going to try to figure that out. And I thought to myself at that moment, I thought he needs to be at least an opportunity to be in ministry. And uh, today, Adam Martin is interning here with our staff at our church. Adam went out and got a job and he sat with me about a year ago. He came and saw me. He said, Pastor, I I'm working, but I just feel like I'm not making a difference. I want to be in ministry, but I don't know where to start. And I said, Adam, you've come to the right place. And I said, let me give you an opportunity. Let's try this for six months. If you uh, will pray, if this works out, uh, then we'll, uh, we'll just see what the next step is. And that was over a year ago. And we just keep saying, well, let's just keep praying and see what works out. He's doing a tremendous job. And it started there on that mission strip where God was using him. And uh, it's amazing what God can do, isn't it? So today we asked Pastor Chad Braley. He's the pastor of that church there, Faith, uh, Faith Baptist Church in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. And this is the pastor that our, our teens went and worked with his church. And uh, God did a great work that week. And so Pastor Braley is going to come. And uh, I'm going to save up all my sweat and preaching for the next four Sundays. I'm going to share some of it today with him today. And so I will hope that you'll listen closely. I know that he'll be a blessing to you as he opens God's word and preaches today. All right. Good morning. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. Take your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter number seven. And then also, if you would find Psalm 113. So... I know you got a lot going on there with all the different apps. You're going to follow along with the songs and things. But if you could locate your Bible, John 7. And uh, real quick, if you went on that mission trip and you're here, uh, maybe see me after service. I'd like to find out where you're at, what's happening. Uh, but Pastor Rands, I believe, is Adam the young man that you put out recently on your social media, my intern's better than your intern. Is that Adam? He's not answering. All right. So... Yeah, so it was great. And uh, so we actually took our intern at our church and I went outside and I said, do something stupid while you're cutting the grass. And it 
it didn't work out, so I didn't even fire back on that that tweet there, whatever he put out. So, uh, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm so glad to be here. It was a great time when those young people came, uh, helped our church tremendously. Uh, we just had our vacation Bible school last week, and even some of those young people that were reached then are still riding our church buses, still being uh, ministered to. So I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity that you gave us as a church to host you, and that was a great time. I'm looking forward to today, and I just want to take you to John chapter 7, and I want you to see the Lord Jesus. Uh, isn't he a wonderful teacher? Don't you love reading through the Gospels and seeing the Lord Jesus? Well, in John 7, something very exciting happens, and I'm actually taking our church through the book of John right now, and uh, Jesus shows up at a religious feast at the right time in the right moment, and he delivers this great invitation that we're going to look at here this morning. Uh, I do want to give you a, a little bit of a background so you know where we're at. Uh, it'll take us a while to get to the message, so don't be nervous about that. Uh, it won't be long once we get to the actual point, okay? So have you ever watched a movie, and you've watched like the first 15 minutes, but you weren't really watching it, and then you came alive, and you're like, man, I really need to engage in this, and now you've missed the whole thing, all right? So don't fall asleep in the first 10 minutes of the message here. You're going to miss the whole thing here, all right? So the book of John, we find in John chapter 20. You stay right there in John chapter 7. But in John chapter 20, verse 31, uh, John really gives us the reason this entire book was written. And here's what he says in John 20, verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And so John helps us understand this entire gospel is written so that when people read it, they can realize one thing, uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We find that in John chapter 14. So John says this whole thing is written so that when you read it, you can know that Jesus is the one through whom you can have eternal life. So you need to know that and you need to believe that. And then what happens? You have life through his name. Uh, we just spent the last 30 minutes praising and worshiping our great God. That was wonderful, wasn't it? A great time of worship together. And so we're here today and we're wanting to hear from God. And I think he's going to speak to us very clearly this morning. I need you to stay in John 7, but I want you to consider some things that have happened. In John chapter number 6, right? You, you probably think this preacher doesn't know where he's going. I'm getting there. In John chapter number 6, uh, the entire chapter helps us understand what the life of a true disciple looks like. And Jesus uses this great lesson to help us. John 6 starts with Jesus feeding over 5,000 people. You probably know about that story. Well, on that day, the Bible tells us there weren't just 5,000 individuals. There were 5,000 men, plus women and children. Maybe somewhere is up to 15, 20,000 people that it could have been there that day when he took those five loaves and those two fish and he fed the multitudes of people. Here's the interesting thing. Everybody wants to be around when food is being served, don't they? And so everybody wants to be with Jesus. This man's working miracles. Let's be around him. But that didn't mean that all those people were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible actually continues that Jesus teaches in John chapter number 6. He stands, you remember when he stood and said, I am the bread of life. Do you remember that? And what Jesus was teaching them in John 6 I am the bread of life. He said, listen, you've got to take of this bread. You have to eat of this bread. And he's saying you have to believe who he is in order to have life. You're in John 7. Is that right? Okay, so just go back a few verses to John chapter number 6. And look at verse number 66. 
The Bible says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. If I were to go back to verse 60, they made this statement. As Jesus taught, I'm the bread of life. The Bible says that they looked at that and said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? The word hard isn't, isn't that they didn't understand what he was saying. The word hard saying there literally means that it was hard for them to accept that what Jesus was saying was the actual truth. So in verse 66, many of his disciples walk away. Look at verse 67 of chapter 6. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Verse 68, then Simon Peter, I love this verse. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. That is the heart of a true disciple. Simon Peter says in that moment, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so chapter six starts, thousands of people. Chapter six ends with just a few of the disciples there and Simon Peter saying to him, Lord, I'm not leaving you. There's nowhere else to go. You are the ones, you are the one with the words of eternal life. Now, let me ask you this. From that time on, did Simon Peter live a perfect life? No, he messed up big time, didn't he? But in his heart, he knew that this one Jesus, he's the one that has the words of eternal life. Everybody good so far? All right, now we're in chapter seven. Aren't you glad we're finally there? Chapter number seven, look at verse number two. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. All right, go to verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. All right, now I need to give you a little background and then we're gonna get to our message. In chapter seven, one of the most, the greatest religious feast is happening, and that is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And so what happens in this passage, Jesus is going to go up there to Jerusalem, and he's going to be a part of this, and he's going to teach. Early in chapter 7, Jesus' brothers, his own earthly brothers, uh, tell him, hey, why don't you go there now? They didn't want him to go there for any other reason. If you read chapter 7, then they wanted him to gather more people because they're feeling that he's really lost a lot of people and wouldn't you want your Messiah to have a great following? End of chapter 6, there's not many with him. Jesus says, this isn't my time, you go on up. As soon as his brothers leave, he goes to Jerusalem. He enters what is known as the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. At the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, here's what would happen. People would travel to Jerusalem, and they would set up literal uh, booths or uh, little uh, shacks, I guess you could say, that they would uh, sleep in. So think about this. They would get there. It's like a le How many of you love to camp? Anybody here love to camp? All right, I am not in that group, okay? But uh, this would be an incredible time for these families. They would travel to Jerusalem. They would set up these uh, booths or these tents with these thatched roofs. And a lot of wonderful things were happening. And let me explain a little bit. One of the things that happened during the Feast of Booths is that the, the tabernacle was lit up all night long. So they would let the oil burn all night so that the light would be shining in the darkness. And those families would be in those booths. And as they would consider that light shining, they would have the conversation 
something like this. There was a time in our ancestors' history that we were wandering in the wilderness and we needed to know where to go. And God provided, remember that pillar of cloud by day and that fire by night. Can you imagine these conversations happening? This happened in our history. These religious people are celebrating what God did and they're at the Feast of Booths. And so you get the picture of light shining in the darkness. I grew up I don't live in the country now, and I couldn't use this illustration at my church, but I think you could probably understand this. Uh, in about a couple months, maybe October-ish, they're going to start harvesting the field, right? They're going to bring in the corn and, and the beans, and, and maybe you're driving down your road at night, and it's as dark as can be, but all of a sudden out in the field, you see these bright lights shining, right? And you got the, the combines out there, and they're clearing out those fields. Are you getting the picture of the light? All right, now, here you are in Jerusalem. You're in your tent, and it's night. The thatched roofs, the lights shining in the, in the sky, and you're talking to your children about how God provided for you in a time when you needed it. That was one thing that was happening at the Feast of Booths. You still with me this morning? All right, here's another thing that was happening at the Feast of Booths, and this plays into our message this morning. The priest would go daily down to the pool of Shalom, and they would take water from that, and they would go back up to the temple steps and they would pour out water upon the steps. And you know what they would be considering? They would be considering a time when they were in the wilderness and they needed water. And what did God do? God provided water for them from a rock. Do you remember that? Now consider the conversations happening at the Feast of Booths. God provided light for us. God provided water when we needed it. Jesus shows up, look back at chapter 7, verse 14. Jesus shows up right in the middle of this eight-day celebration. All of the individuals are considering what God had done for them in the past. Now go to chapter 7, verse 37. We finally arrived at our text for this morning. The Bible says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, all the things I just mentioned to you, keep that in mind as I read this. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Verse 40. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, just over the next few moments, we need your presence here under this tent. God, we have been here and we've been worshiping. Uh, Lord, we've had a great time of praise and adoration and considering who you are. But God, I need your help as we deliver this message this morning, as we consider if any man thirst. Lord, you are the one. As Peter said in chapter six, you have the words of eternal life. God, would you help us see that today? Would you help us to recognize exactly who you are and what it is that you want to speak to us about today? If there's somebody here that's never come to you and allowed you to be their savior and, and quench their spiritual thirst, God, I pray today they would see through your word. Lord, you are the one that we are to come to. Lord, those of us that have come to you, I pray that you'd speak to us and help us to know the life that you are desiring us to yield to you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you get the picture, right? So Jesus shows up at this feast, and the Bible says in verse 37, 
it is in the last day, that great day of the feast. How many of you like a good grand finale, right? If you're going to the fireworks, you, you love the grand finale, you're waiting for it, you're anticipating it. If you're like my family, as soon as the grand finale starts, I start looking for the exit. How are we gonna get out of here before all these other people are trying to get out the same exit, right? But you like a good grand finale. The feast has been happening. Everything has been taking place. The water has been poured out. Uh, the lights have been shining. And Jesus stands up on the last day and he gives this invitation. I'm gonna give you a couple more things to consider before we look at what Jesus says about if any man thirst. Can you flip over to Psalm 113? History would tell us this, that as the priests were carrying the water and they were gonna pour it out on the temple steps, the people that had gathered for the worship would have been proclaiming some things like Psalm 113. So if you were to read Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, History would tell us that these uh, very well could have been songs that they were singing as that water's being poured out. Let's look at Psalm 113. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high. Now look here. You've been camping all week, right? You're here at the Feast of Booths. You've been camping with your family. Your son's come to you. He said, Dad, why is that light shining? And you tell him what God did. Dad, why are they pouring that water out? And you tell him what God did in the past. You're singing with your family these songs about how great our God is. Look at Psalm 117, if you would. Maybe they're singing this, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of our Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Here we are at the grand finale of the feast. The people have been singing about God. They've been demonstrating God and his provision and how he's caring for them. But I need you to listen very closely to this next statement. Because religion complicates what God made simple, people are standing next to, in this passage, People are standing next to a well that will never run dry, yet they're dying of eternal thirst because they've not recognized that Jesus Christ is Jehovah God and he is the one that will take care of man's sin. And so on the last day of this feast, Jesus stands up, this grand finale, and you know what Jesus says? He lifts his voice. The Bible says he cried. If anybody ever tries to teach you that Jesus was soft, I want you to understand there was nothing soft about our Savior. He's kind, he's compassionate, he's caring, but when it mattered, it was time for Jesus to enact. And so here he is, and he stands up. He didn't have a microphone like I did. If this brother back here shut off this microphone right now, I'm just going to yell louder, all right? So Jesus stands up, and he cries. He gets everyone's attention. Can you imagine this? They're pouring out water saying, hey, in our past, we were thirsty and we needed something and God, Jehovah God provided for us. And Jesus stands up and he looks at all these religious people and he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me, Jesus says. I'm so thankful that Jesus was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And on this day, he offers salvation to these religious people and says, listen, you've had a great week, you've had a lot of memories, but you're still thirsty and you still need to come 
to me. And so let's look at verse 37. Notice man's problem. If any man thirst. I want you to know this morning, everything in your life begins with this. Everything in your life begins when you recognize your need. When you recognize that there is a spiritual thirst in your life and that spiritual thirst cannot and will not be satisfied until you come to Jesus. But the first thing you have to recognize is this. You have to acknowledge that you're thirsty before you're ever going to look for a drink. Right? you got to acknowledge your need before you're ever going to look to fill that need. You know why people don't come to Jesus? People don't come to Jesus because they don't think they need Jesus. But when you read the Bible and you study the Word of God, you recognize that Jesus came and He says, if any man thirsts. I love the fact that this invitation is for any man. Look at the invitation here in verse 37. If any man thirst, let him come. This thought of any man, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word whosoever. I love the fact that Jesus says if any man thirsts, he didn't stand up on that day and say, if you are religiously qualified, if, if you were born in this family, if you have this background, no. The Lord Jesus says, if any man thirsts, he says, come unto me. And so he offers that invitation. So you got to recognize all men are thirsty. Let's just consider for a moment this morning, church. There's a lot of things in life that we have tried to quench our thirst with. There are a lot of things that we have tried to add to our life to quench this spiritual thirst. We've tried hobbies. Talk to my wife after the service. I am a hobby guy. Somebody asks me all the time, what is your hobby? I'm like, whatever you're doing, I'm trying to do it with you. I don't have one thing and I don't do anything well, but I want to try it, right? We've tried to fill our life with hobbies. We've tried to fill our life with uh, maybe substances. We've tried to fill our life with different relationships. And you know what we find every time? Nothing satisfies our life. And Jesus stands up and he says to these people, listen, you're here, you're celebrating, you're considering everything God did in the past, but you need to recognize what God's doing right now. You're a thirsty people and Jesus is here and he offers the invitation, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. And then look at verse number 37. He gives us the solution to man's problems. So the problem is we're thirsty, but here's the solution. He says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and, what's the word? Drink. You know what he's saying? You're thirsty. You've recognized that. Your sin has separated you from God. Come to Jesus and drink. He's teaching them, believe who he is. Take in who Jesus is to your life. Believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Believe that there is no life apart from him. Are you following that this morning? Here's Jesus, and he says, come to me and drink drink. He's speaking of taking Jesus into your life by faith, taking him to be your Lord and your Savior. You see, it's one thing to admit you have a need. It's a whole other thing to actually do something about it. I'm a simple-minded guy. Let me use a simple-minded illustration. I'm extremely thirsty right now, right? Can you understand that, right? I'm really thirsty right now. And so I didn't do this on purpose, but I do have a bottle of water here just in case I do get thirsty. So, so imagine I, I say, Brother Rands, could I, could I get something to drink? And Brother Rands just points to that water, right? And so he points me in the right direction, and I recognize my need. I'm thirsty, and I come to the water, and I just stare at it, right? And I'm just looking at this water. By looking at the water, is anything happening to my thirst? 
No, I'm still thirsty. It's gonna, not going to quench my thirst until I take it into my person and, 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 and apply it to my life. It's the same with the Lord Jesus. Listen, you can know about him. You could come to church. You could carry a Bible. You could have all the things in your life. But if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still thirsty and you need to come to him and you need to believe who he is. And so here are these people. They're doing a lot of wonderful things. They're worshiping God. They're teaching their children what God did in the past, but they're missing that the Messiah is standing there in their presence. The Bible says in John 3, 15, you probably know it, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus says, are you thirsty? Are you spiritually thirsty? He says, come to me and drink, and I, Jesus, will quench your thirst like you've never known before. Now let's look at the believer's joy. Look at verse number 38. So you're here this morning and maybe you say, I'm thirsty. I wanna let you know in just a moment, we're gonna give you the opportunity to respond and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Take him as your savior. Pastor Rands read the email today that there was a gentleman that trusted Christ two weeks ago. And we all praise God for that. We recognize that there is a man now who knows that Jesus is the one that could only quench his thirst. Maybe you're here today. We're gonna give you that opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I came to Jesus. I know him. I've believed in him. Well, now, now the message is coming home to you. Look at verse 38. This is a beautiful truth that Jesus is teaching on the grand finale of this feast. Jesus says, he that believeth on me. All right, let's by show of hands. All right, I don't want to embarrass anybody. How many of you say, I believed on Jesus. I know he's my Lord. I know he's my savior. I'm not ashamed of it. Raise your hand this morning. All right, so you know Jesus. All right, here's what he says is going to happen in your life. He that believeth in me, as the scripture hath said, look at this, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. All right, you got to know here's where the believer's joy comes from. Believing in Jesus leads to a life of flowing faith. Jesus is teaching us that joy in our life is found when we realize that the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, which he talks about in verse 39, the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God is going to produce a flowing river of joy and life within us. So here's what I want you to see this morning. Your life is to be a fountain, a river. Let's, let's illustrate it this way. Your life is like a conduit. Your, your life is not a, a, a pond. Your life is not like a lake. Your life is like a conduit. What's a conduit do, right? A conduit literally connects two things together, right? And so we could probably go out in your parking lot. There's all these lights out here. I'm sure, and now I've never looked under the ground, but I'm sure there's conduit running, connecting one light to another, and there's a power source flowing through it. And that's what Jesus is saying. When you come to Jesus and you believe who he is, listen, church, Here's what Jesus says. You want joy in your life? You want the presence of God in your life? You want your life to be full of joy? Then recognize this. Your life is not the end of the blessing. Your life is a continuation of the blessing. And you realize I have Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit of God. And he's going to flow through me. And he's going to produce life in my life and life in others by me yielding myself to him. Are you following that today? The opposite of flowing water is stagnant. I think we would all agree nobody wants to be around stagnant water. Right? I did something really cool this year. I have a 12-year-old daughter and I bought a swimming pool. Let me tell you how it happened. I went into Sam's Club with my wife to buy a rotisserie chicken, 5.99. 
and I see a 20 foot by 48 inch pool there for $399. And I thought, I need that in my backyard. I want my daughter, if she's going to swim in the neighborhood, it might as well be in my yard so I know what's happening. So I'm going to get it and I'm going to put it in my backyard. And so I did. And I've been going back and forth to the pool place trying to keep that water clear and everything was good. By the way, if you buy a $399 pool, they give you like a 1099 filter to go with it and it doesn't work. So I went on vacation for one week. I left. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. You figured that out by now. I have my pool covered. Why did I leave it covered? I have no idea, but I left my pool covered. I came back. I pulled that cover off. I've never seen more green water in all of my life. So I went to the pool place. I did some things. It started turning a little bit blue. And I said to my wife one day, if you'll take our daughter, Olivia Grace, and you guys get in the pool, and if you just kind of move around in that pool, I need that water to move if you would do that. So I came home from the church that afternoon and she looked at me and she said, I love you, but I'm never doing that again. She said, the bottom of that pool is so disgusting. I don't care if I ever get in that pool again. Now, I, I want to tell you, a man in my church found out and he showed up. What, what a great thing this was. He brought me a sand filter. I left yesterday. We'll see what happens when I get back tomorrow. But I had blue water yesterday when I left. So I was excited. Here's what you know and here's what I know. Nobody wants to be around stagnant water. And here's what happens when we don't recognize believers, the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, when we think that our life is the end of the blessing. You know what happens in our life? We become stagnant. And nobody is attracted to stagnant water. But when we realize, according to verse number 39 of our passage, that Jesus is going to indwell believers through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. He says, I'm going to produce in your life a well, living water. It's going to flow through your life and your life is a conduit. So here it is. Are you ready? I love this about John chapter seven. Jesus stands up. You're thirsty. I see it. I've been here for half the week and I've watched, he said. And he says, here's what you need to do if you're thirsty. You come to me and I'm going to produce in your life a river of living water like you've never seen before. I want you to know this this morning. God's got great plans for your life, child of God. But here's what we have to do. We have to yield to him and not allow the blessing to stop with us. I mean, we love salvation. We love the fact that we're his children and that we're born again. But we've got to recognize that the blessing is going to continue. Can you believe this? that God wants to use your life to show someone else that's thirsty that they too can have life. And so when we yield to the Spirit, well, I don't know about you, but I don't mind sitting by flowing water. I don't mind taking my family and maybe taking a picnic and sitting down and we're sitting by the stream and the water's flowing. There's something peaceful about it. There's something wonderful about it. Look back at John chapter seven. I'm gonna close it up here. Here's what he says. If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. Believe Jesus. And then he says, when you do that, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know know what he's teaching us there? Look, you come to Jesus believing who he is, you're never going to need for something else in your entire life because you have Jesus. I mean, the hard times of your life are going to come and you have Jesus. You have a source of nourishment in your life. You have someone that is always there. The spirit is indwelling you. And so we have this opportunity to come to him. Verse 39, but this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. Uh, you could go read in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, where he really talks about the Spirit. He talks in verse chapter number 16. He says, it's expedient for you that I go away because I'm going to send the Comforter. The Holy Spirit's going to indwell us. And so you understand that today, you have the Spirit of the living God living within you if you're a child of God. Let me wrap it up under the tent this morning and ask you this question. Are you thirsty? If you're saying, I'm spiritually thirsty, I want to encourage you today, come to Jesus. Jesus will satisfy and quench your thirst. I could stand here all day and talk to you about the book of John, and I would love to do it, but you probably wouldn't stay. We could go back to John chapter number four. You remember John chapter four? There was a woman there, and this lady had a lot of problems in her life. She'd had five husbands, and she was living with a man that wasn't hers, and she goes to a well one day, and Jesus shows up. And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And so maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to recognize today you have a need, and that need is that you're spiritually thirsty, but it's all right. Jesus has come to me. You just need to come believing who he is and drink of that water, and you'll never thirst again. And if you're here today and you say, man, I believe on him, would you recognize today that God wants to produce through your life others coming to him. He wants you to be a conduit by which his power, his blessing, his ministry continues. And there's something very attractive about a Christian who yields themselves to the spirit of God and lets the blessing continue to flow through their life. And so this morning, maybe you need to make one of those two decisions. Maybe you need to trust Jesus, or maybe you believe or need to say, you know what, Lord, I want the blessing to continue through my life. So I'm going to yield to the spirit and allow his ministry to work in my life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I love you today, and I thank you for your word. I pray that your word has helped us today. Lord, there's nothing that I've said that could bring life or healing or anything to someone's life. And so God, I pray that you'd help them to see it's the word of God, it's the scriptures, it's coming to Jesus. And so Lord, help us to respond as we need to. Thank you for meeting with us here under this tent today. God, I pray you would receive the blessing, glory, and honor for all that happens in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? How many of you enjoyed being under the tent here this morning? Would you say amen? Let's all stand together. And I want you to just, in just for a few moments, I want us to just be in an attitude of prayer. Considering maybe something that you sang today, considering something you heard from God's word today. But I don't want us to leave here without being obedient to the Holy Spirit. We have a couple that are going to be baptized here in just a moment, and we're going to rejoice with them. But before that, I want you to make sure that everything between you and God is settled. And so right now, would you just search your heart? Would you just search your heart? I want to ask you this question, just as you're praying there today. I want to ask every person this question as you're searching your heart, as you're evaluating your life. Are you thirsty? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? The most important thing that you will do in all of your life is accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm not asking you this morning as he preached. I'm not asking you if you're religious. I'm not asking you if you have attended church. I'm not asking you if you come from a Christian family. I'm asking you today, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?
What have you done with Jesus? And I wonder if there's one here today. We're all just evaluating our hearts, but I'm asking you right now, do you know Jesus Christ? I wonder if there's one here today that you would just by an upraised hand say, today I need to trust Christ as my Savior. I came thirsty today, looking, searching, and today I want to trust Christ. I want to put my faith in what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. The fact that he went to the cross and he paid my sin debt. He was placed in that tomb, and the Bible says three days later he rose again from the dead. He wants to save you today. I wonder if there's one here. Would you just raise your hand so I could see it? I want to pray with you. Is there one at all? Just slip your hand up, slip it back down. Is there one? Is there another? There's one that raised their hand over in this direction. Is there another? Don't leave here today thirsty. Don't leave here today without Christ. Christian, how many of you would say this? I want to be a conduit. I want it to flow through my life. I want others to hear of Jesus through me. How many of you would say, that's my prayer, that's my desire? Would you lift your hand up to the Lord here today? We're going to pray together. Father in heaven, you see these hands. You saw this one Lord that raised his hand and said he needs to be saved today. And Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would work, reveal truth to him or her, and I pray, Lord, that they would trust you today as their Savior, be gloriously saved. And Lord, these others of us that have our hands raised, Lord, we, we want to take the truth of the gospel and we want others to see that and how we live. We want to see others come to know Christ as their Savior. So help us, Lord. Help us to be that conduit for the gospel's sake. And Lord, we do love you, and we thank you, Lord, for our time today together under this tent. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. If you'd be seated for just one moment, Pastor Chris. Isn't that wonderful news? Stand with me again as we are dismissed here today. I want to remind you, next Sunday, 10 o'clock right here, invite a friend. We still have some chairs left that we need to fill up. And then next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock, we will invite everyone back, and we want you to bring 
your family, your friends, coworkers. This will be a great community night out in the field here. We'll have food trucks, and then we will come underneath the tent here, and there'll be a concert. Uh, that